Hello and welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows. One of the shows that we have up on air and online, which is pretty much the same thing these days, uh, accessible through www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. If you came in uh, through that website, and the good chance you did, you may have us plugged in uh, and you may ha- get an automatic feed when we have a new show. There's all sorts of ways in which you'd know about us. But if you came in through the website directly, www.centerlefttalkradio.com, you'll notice on the home page that there are two links. One, the first is to our podcast feed. Many of you may be listening to this show as a podcast. And there's also a link to our radio loop. And that's simply uh, a loop of the show being played as though you had just turned on your radio and lo and behold, you picked up the show at a certain point. And you listen in, and it's just, it's just a, a, a way of receiving audio communication. It may be more indicative of a certain time and appealing to people of a certain age. I've heard that. But a lot of people like it that way, and we keep it going. We give you that option. Jump in at any point where the show happens to be, or start it where you want to start it. It'll automatically start in the beginning, of course, as a podcast, but you can... Move it anywhere with the cursor, any way you want to do it. Either way, you're listening to the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. Uh, it's it's this is the first show that uh, I'm I'm doing, and this this is this being a Friday. Let, let me let me let me set up the dynamic here. It's a Friday. It's the 25th of of February. We are in the second day of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. It's no longer something imagined. It's no longer Putin denying. It's no longer uh, will they, won't they. It's no longer uh, Biden predicting or, or verifying the obvious moves being made and verifying via I- internal intelligence that, uh, that Putin will probably... No. He has attacked the Ukraine. This is an invasion of a neighboring country. Of course, you know, Lavrov, the, the foreign minister, and to some extent Putin, but Lavrov is the one putting out much of this messaging. Uh, no, we are basically going in to uh, make them independent. Uh, Ukraine is under the influence of the West. It is a West-influenced thing. Uh, we are denazifying, the denazification of the Ukrainian government. That's another one you hear. I believe there was one former Nazi who would have to be about a billion years old uh, and, and this being given as a reason uh, for uh, coming in, uh, I, I don't know. It, the, the Ukrainian government, for all of its corruption and, and all, of its, all of its warts and flaws, has been in place pretty much as you see it for the last seven years, eight years. Uh, it is, it, it's a thorn in the side of Russia. Uh, and has been because it is 
perpetually begging to be part of, at least the current government is perpetually begging to be part of NATO. And as a NATO organization, under Article 5 of the NATO Charter, uh, any nation or any member of NATO who was attacked by a foreign country, read Russia, uh, the argument has been made, well, you know, NATO was designed just to counter the Soviet Union, and when the Soviet Union disappeared, therefore, NATO has no valid purpose for existence. Well, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm open to hearing the arguments about that in light of uh, the developments of the last two days. And of course, well, don't worry, he's only coming in to, to establish his borders uh, with Ukraine. Okay, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to hear the argument that would permit any kind of confidence about uh, a statement like that. Now, I'm, I'm, I, I will try over the course of this show, I imagine, to sound uh, somewhat analytical, somewhat commentator-ish about everything that's happening. But, but let, me, let me state this from the get-go. I am personally deeply upset and troubled by what I've witnessed to... to, to to sort of in any way suggest that, well, it's okay, for, and, and, and rationalize the word okay any way you want, or, you know, they're only, I suppose the rationalization would be an effort to normalize something, to, to take the immensity of the change taking place here to sort of to sort of neutralize this because anyone who will open themselves up to what is actually happening will recognize that this is a change a change of absolutely historic proportions to call it anything but that is to ignore the obvious now there there are so many different components of this to wrap one's head around that there are convenient places one can allow one's mind to go in an effort to kind of normalize this. Normalize in the sense that it makes the severity, the, the, the absolute shock of the level of change taking place that much easier to palate, that much more palatable, that much less frightening and upsetting. We are not, we are not prone to enjoying change. We, we fight it. And yet, as we've said time and time again, Change is the magical constant of our lives. Not always happening with a big, beautiful fireworks display, and I'm talking about a very different one than the type that you see in various images that are coming out of, uh, out of Ukraine right now. Uh, usually, we, we change is, is difficult. But it, it is a harbinger of potentially better things. In fact, we can't get to a better place without change. We can also go to a worse place. 
depending on how we deal or how, how change is handled. It's a great irony. You can go downhill or uphill. Either way, you're going to take change. Change will be an element of, of what happens. It's all in how we deal with it. And in trying to deny the incredible nature of the change taking place, we basically ensure that, or those who would do that, are pushing in the direction of turning this into a deeper negative and, and a longer-lasting negative. What, what, what should be recognized about this? I mean, we can we can go back and we can start talking about well, you know, the Soviet Union. Uh, the, the, we could go back there, with, and but the Russians are only doing what they see necessary for their own safety, blah blah blah, and they're trying to basically protect their borders rather than uh, the potential for NATO to infringe on their eastern border. They, in this move, are infringing on NATO's eastern border by using Ukraine. And that's really all they want. They don't want to have another world war. They don't really want to go back to the Soviet Union and all sorts of rationalizations. Why can't people see that? And if you don't see it right away, well, then there's a whole series of arguments about how America has done far worse in the last 50 or 60 years or 70 years since World War II and blah, blah, blah. And it all sort of gets put to rest. And there's, there's, some, there's some nice ethical wrapping put around the entire argument and that's it that that that's that's kind of where it goes this is something like what fox news is doing and other institutions like that except they're doing it more in an effort just to be contrarian to the biden administration and i and i mean i i imagine uh, probably in concert with Donald, who I gather, I, I, this is only, there, there's some extrapolations made, not mine, that he may be as much as $400 million in debt to the Russians. So he, he has a slight motivation, always did, in dealing with Putin. Um, but is that really, can, can, we, can we afford to go there? To, to deny that this is the massive change it is, and certainly then not deal with it, not internalize the nature of this change, try to deny the change that it's making in us. Simply write it off as the Russians following the American playbook, and therefore, well, it's none of our business. Where are we going for lunch? That might have been a position that, that even had, well, maybe, I'm sure for many people, still has a certain amount of, 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 of heft, a certain amount of appeal. We had a Noble Hearts Forum here at Center Left Radio about two and a half years, uh, two and a half no, weeks ago. It feels that way. The thing, things have been moving so rapidly. Um, where our panelists largely talked about the American uh, history in the post-World War II period, the different things that we had done, the unethical way in which we influenced other countries, primarily in the Caribbean, all of it absolutely documentably true, 
and used that as a, a starting point for a, a recognition, ultimately, of Mr. Putin's right. I, I'm not sure if that's where it ult ultimately went, but certainly recognizing uh, the, 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 the reasoning behind what he was doing because it was something we where we'd been before and 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 the net net was we're not part of this pull yourself out of it america don't be here nato is an anachronism it 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 didn't satisfy me then i i again all of the comments were were liberally and i mean that in the most literal sense footnoted all of the opinions were absolutely accurate based on historical fact but the conclusions were all rooted in the notion that we can somehow separate ourselves from what is being done by russia in Ukraine right now, that we are we are able to, with no difficulty, just just by 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 a sheer simple process of deciding, we can take ourselves ethically and morally and spiritually out of the mix. We don't have to be a part of this. It's just none of our business. And we should just let Russia do what it's going to do. Now, again, all the ethical arguments are in place. All the moral, all the moral equivalencies or lack of equivalencies all expressed. Everything historically footnoted. But moving into the present and the, and the current situation, can America simply, even if we wanted to, and many in America seem to still want to. Can we just pull ourselves away from this on so many different levels? Can we ignore? Can we, can we, can we reconstruct? Can we create a different uh, set of facts and only refer to those? Yes, we know we can do that. We're not getting very clear information just yet out of Ukraine about precisely what is happening? There are the numbers seem relatively small in terms of the number of casualties. There shouldn't be any. A country has been invaded. Whether or not we are allowed to look and notice and, and have a reaction to that for moral or ethical purposes because we've done something bad in the past, I I don't even I don't know. It it depends on who you talk to, I suppose. Um but this is happening, and it's going to create massive change. And if you ignore it, I would think that part of the motivation for ignoring it is not wanting to deal with change, and that is a normal human thing. Change is tough, but as we've said Time and time and time again on this show, change is the magical constant of our lives. Here's one of the big rubs about this whole 
situation, beyond the fact that this is the first invasion of a European nation since the Second World War. Uh, Adolf Hitler kind of used similar logic when invading the Sudetenland, didn't use a hell of a lot of logic when invading Poland, but basically it's always about, well, there's a minority being oppressed that are really affiliated with us, and they really want, and we're coming to liberate that minority who is like us and you know, you see, so you begin by declaring two new republics right on your southeastern flank, and then you want to go in because they're not allowing people to speak Russian. I, I, I am neither a Russian nor a Ukrainian speaker, but the two languages are virtually identical. Of course, speakers of one or the other will be able to tell you the differences. I'm told it's got about as much difference as Hindi and Urdu, uh, two, two languages that one person speaking one and one speaking the other can understand each other pretty much perfectly. The difference happens to be that Urdu is a Muslim-based version of a language, often given credit for being the far more elegant version of Hindi, and Hindi being more spoken by uh, Hindus. Uh, it's just the way that's set up. And, and, and Russian-Ukrainian, I'm told, I'm told, I'm sure there are a lot of words, but it's pretty damned similar. And large swaths of Ukraine speak Russian. There are cities where it's only spoken as opposed to Ukrainian. But, but the, the storyline coming from Lavrov... That, that there is oppression of Russians and, and we are... It, it's a load of crap, mostly, I gather. And if it were, it would be an internal... Ukrainian situation because they are a democratically elected government. Are they corrupt? Oh, there's tons of corruption there. Why do you think they haven't been able to get into NATO? And there's a lot of pushback against, there was a lot of pushback against them ever getting into NATO because they have been a historically corrupt government. Time was going to play out and see where this winds up going. We know that we know that uh, basically uh, the corruption was such that Trump, one of the most corrupt human beings ever to to walk the planet, basically was trying to get Zelensky to open up a uh, uh, to open up a, an investigation of Joe Biden during the 2020 election campaign of Biden and his son, so that Trump would have an advantage. Corruption, corruption, basically seeking out its own, and to his credit, Zelensky did not. And Trump was basically impeached for that. And of course, because of the total division and the, and the stupidity in, in, in our own country right now, where there was a time when, when you know, uh, uh, politics ended at the, at the water's edge and, and when we were supporting an ally, as we had, because Congress had voted aid to Ukraine uh, and Trump was going to hold it back until Zelensky went ahead and, uh, uh, you know, uh, at least announced these, all, the, all you got to do is announce that you're going to basically uh, do an, an investigation. That's all you got to do. Just announce that there's an investigation. You don't have to do it. Just say you're going to do it and that'll be enough. And then I'll give you legally what my government was supposed to give you that I have been illegally and unconstitutionally holding back from you. You're corrupt. You understand how these things work. You understand how we guys play in this. And Zelensky wouldn't play. Uh, was it because he's not corrupt, because he's above all this? Who the hell knows? 
None of this permits, none of this authorizes the invasion of a foreign, of, of, of a, an independent country. You, you see, you, you can think about any one of these events, and if you focus on any one set of facts or historical situations, and you focus on it enough, you can find some set of, 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 of circumstances that will ultimately allow you to create an opinion about the situation that, that, that normalizes it for you. Oh, you see, they're doing it, the Russians are doing it because of this. Oh, now it's normal. Now, let me go back to my life as it is. I've now, I've now categorized this in my mind as perfectly normal. I don't, I don't have to really be concerned with it anymore. I don't have to feel anything about this. There's no real moral issue. I've rationalized this away. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not allowing you to do that. You cannot rationalize away the invasion of a country by another country. You can't use American history as a basis for saying, well, what did we expect? What's for dinner tonight? No. This is a disruption of the world order. We are an interrelated planet in a way that we have never been before. Our economics, our commerce, our information, increasingly our, just the very flow of humans from one place to the next. There is such a level of integration that when one country and a major player at that, I think the 11th largest economy in the world, and a major supplier of energy to other countries, suddenly pulls something this dumbass, insane, immoral, illegal, horrible, deadly against another country, which is right smack in the middle of a group of countries that we are affiliated with under NATO, whether you think NATO should be there or not, whatever you want, however you want to rationalize that. If you, if you think you can just rationalize that away on, on some pretext by picking up some set of facts that makes you feel better about not having to deal with the absolute horror of this, good luck, but you're kidding yourself. Okay? This is ugliness in the extreme. There are going to be repercussions. For, we have not seen this thing play out. There's already an urge, and I, and I sense it, I sense it in myself, to basically rationalize this whole thing into a comprehensible state so that I don't have to feel so much about it. So that I can lessen, that I, could, that I can dull a lot of the pain and the anxiety that comes with this. And, and perhaps the introspection and the thought processes about the change and what it really means and what I should be doing spiritually and internally about this. How this might ultimately affect the world. Clear-eyed. 
You can't have one state take over another state in an interdependent world like this and not expect all sorts of other repercussions down, down, the, down the food chain, if you will, or down, down the distribution chain of the world. You can't expect the people of Russia to do absolutely nothing about this. You can't expect a simple occupation of Ukraine, you can't expect the insertion of a puppet government where everything will be nice and simple because they're used to being in a corrupted uh, environment and who cares what the who cares how poorly the circumstances are leading up to the next government it doesn't matter we'll go on with business as usual because we are so interdependent we'll simply normalize we'll rationalize this situation it won't really affect the world order wrong this is affecting the world order in a dramatic way, and I promise you in ways we cannot even begin to comprehend at this moment. But this is the moment where something else must happen. We must force ourselves to suppress our fear of looking at what is actually happening, the horror of war, the horror of invasion, to face it clearly and avoid the temptation and the desire and the need to simply rationalize it into another news story that is basically wrapped in whatever wrapping we want it to be in to make it easy for us to either consume it as news and then put it on a shelf or shove it to the back of our minds so that we can go on living a relatively normal life, not having to be aware that this is another element in a larger picture of change that we are going through. And that's where my conversation is really going with this. We are in an era of massive change. The interrelationship of everyone and everything on a communications, on an economic, on a personal level is happening to us and the implications of that and the change inherent in that and the changes still to come because of that will be massive. We are moving towards a world system. Whether we like it or not, we're moving towards a system where institutions that we have depended on or thought were all we really needed, from government to religion to culture to everything else, that have essentially not done what they were supposed to do in terms of basically giving us the security, the, the stability, the unification that they were supposed to give us, the peace that they were supposed to produce, they are being, they will be, Altered, they will be changed in favor of something that is increasingly more universal. That's the direction we're moving in. That this, this particular event, even though it seems to be countering that, 
Russia invading another country, basically shutting off borders. It is going in exactly the opposite direction. Wouldn't you think of the idea of universality? But you see, it will ultimately wind up being one of the exceptions that proves the rule. Russia has just put itself, Putin has put himself, squarely against the arc of history. He is attempting to do something. He is attempting, I, I, I guess now, I, I, invariably, I'm getting closer to talking about his motivations. I can't speak for Putin's motivations. His, what, he wants to, what, reassert the Soviet Union? He, he wants to protect, all he wants to do is protect his western flank and extend it outward so it comes up against NATO's eastern flank. That's all he wants to do. But he doesn't take into account what this will do in terms of the psychology that it's going to inject into Europe. He doesn't take into account what this will do in terms of the reaction of people within Russia. He doesn't take into account how he will be able to maintain his control over, over uh, Ukraine. He doesn't take into account what this is going to do to markets worldwide. He doesn't, he doesn't, he's imagining that it's all just going to be normalized. And then what? Then I, uh, then I am the biggest guy on the block? Well, how does that change things? There is no normalization of this. Even, even though, as I said earlier in the show, I'm, you're, hearing, you're hearing people already, you're hearing it in the voices of commentators, some way to normalize all this immediately so that we can, we can basically relieve ourselves of the emotional trauma of, of dealing with this as gut-wrenching change and trying to basically make sense of it and trying to react ethically and spiritually in a way that understands where this fits in a larger picture. If you begin with the notion that we are heading towards, somehow, invariably, we are heading towards a world system, that the entire planet is going to go toward a system, and the system will be based not on our earlier concepts of, of who rules whom and who is stronger and which institution theologically, uh, politically, economically can outdo the other because all of those have eff effectively not produced the level of, of, of harmony and good life that, that we expect. And we know what to expect because our communications are such that the poor and the have-nots know exactly what it is they don't have. We have to go in the direction of sharing. We have to go in the direction of basically improving the general lot of life for everyone. That is, that is more, than a, more than a spiritual and a moral construct. It is a practical roadmap. Because if we don't go in that direction, if we don't think in terms of a universal mechanism for basically supporting the general needs of all of us, 
if we still see ourselves as parochial entities around the planet, as Mr. Putin sees himself, as, as simply protecting his flank right now without giving a rat's ass about the implications of what he is doing into the, in the larger order of the planet, even if initially everybody tries to normalize it, and yeah, we just go and keep buying energy and everything else. No, it's a monkey wrench in a process that basically is taking us into a more universal realm. Putin is an anachronism. You can't go ahead and do what he just did and expect a world that is moving towards globalization and unification on a global level, whether we want to admit it or recognize it on any given day at any given moment. But that's the direction. If you could get up to not 30,000, if you get up to a few, you know, a, a hundred miles and look down, that's where this is all going. That's where the vectors are all pointing. Not immediately, but they're going that way. That's what the, the sum is adding up that way. And it's hard because it means a lot has to change. But what can't happen is you can't go backwards. Putin is taking, he's, is going backwards. Donald Trump and the Republicans going backwards. I don't want this change. I don't want to feel, I don't want to recognize what's happening. I don't want to realize the, 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 the globalization, the internationalization, the humanizing the, the, the international humanizing of an order that is coming as a result of our international economic dependence and our international capacity for exchange of information and, and just the, the, the simplicity, the, 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 the obvious simplicity of recognizing that globalization of everything is where we're going, including our capacity to govern ourselves to deal with our needs, to basically do that which is best. Now, if, if you take that notion, this notion of globalization, now, you know, it's, it's, it's future talk, it's, 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 future, it's a futuristic, no, no, we're walking into it. We are approaching it day by day. We are going in that direction. This is why what Mr. Putin has just done, that's, that, that is the lens through which I see this. It is an effort to basically go backwards. I want it as it was. I want to pull borders around myself. I want to build walls. I want a wall across the US and Can between US and Mexico, maybe Canada, who the hell knows. I want things like they were. Because that's where I came from. My emotions, my, my, my psychology was being formulated when that's the way the world was. And things worked. But that's not what the world is. We are going in a unifying direction. Oh, that can't be. Look at how crazy everyone else. Jeez, there's these, you know, China is doing that. I don't care what is you're seeing right now. Get up there. Get to a higher level. We are moving in a direction which incorporates us all into a larger and larger structure. A structure. And the longer we fight it, the longer we pretend that we can go backwards 
the harder the movement will be. Can we make it the ugliest thing on earth? Can we really come damn near destroying ourselves to avoid what is inevitable, beautifully, spiritually inevitable, the unification of this planet? Because that's just where we're going. It's where we're all naturally tending. We can fight that. We can fight change, we can make it as ugly, and we can basically nearly wipe ourselves out if we want to. Vladimir would do that. Do Donald would, would just as soon do that too because it's, it's fulfilling your own, their own fear. Yes, Vladimir is as frightened as anyone could possibly be. Probably just as frightened, if not more frightened than Donald. The fear of change. Can't accept change has to go backwards, has to go to what was, can't possibly imagine moving forward. Oh, no, no, you know, people have gotten used to us being in, you know, part of a, a new world order and we've been selling, we've been selling energy. Now, now's the time to spring our trap. Now we're basically going to really show them that we, all we've been doing in being part of this new world order is finding a way to sucker them in to, an, to a sense of security about it. But we're still exactly what we were. We're going to go back and the Soviet Union will rise again and we will, be, we will dominate and we will... The opposite of where we are actually going. The energy of the world, our shared energy, everything that we've created, whether we've done it consciously or not, in our communications, in our economics, every, everything is directed towards a global society, a true, not just for the, for the sake of a, of, a, of, a, of a line in a song, as a practical matter. Think of a world government. Not because, uh, you know, the, the, the aliens have come and taken over. No, we have figured it out. We have found a way to cooperate to the point where we can actually benefit everyone. We're going in that direction. We have no choice. Give me, give me another direction to go in, folks, that makes any sense without destroying ourselves. I'll show it to you. Vladimir. Donald. Tribalize, 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 tribalize. Find differences. Find political, uh, political daylight. Find ways to set one side against another. Create culture wars. It's the opposite. It's the fear way of reacting to the change that is part of our entire planetary system. It's where we're going. This is what I write about. I've been writing about this for 13 years. I've been, I've been putting this together for 13 years. The final product is almost there. You'll be hearing about this on this show. We cannot avoid this. We cannot avoid who we are and where we're going. Efforts to look away from this basically are as bad to just neutralize ourselves and say, well, I'm not noticing it. That is as bad as agreeing with Vladimir. And if you agree with Vladimir, why? Because, well, you know, let's, let's do a mea culpa on ourselves because we've been bad in the past. You're doing the same damn thing. We cannot, we cannot sit by and allow 
someone to go in the opposite direction. The, the planet is already, we are already, the momentum is already there for globalization. Vladimir is basically pushing back against that. And when you push back against change, that's change that is embedded in our system already, you can get some pretty nasty results. You begin by recognizing that the change is in the air. It's part of what we are. Hope requires change. Hope only comes when we accept change, not change like going backwards and taking over Ukraine, not, 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 not change like some, some dictator decides that he's going to you know, make it comfortable for him because of his particular psychological misappropriation at an early point in his life. No. The change I'm talking about is the affiliation of all people. And there's going to be bumps in the road, and there always will be. But the larger picture, the place where we're going, is global affiliation. If we don't go there, or if we try not to go there, we're fighting our own destiny. Is this, is this more than a lot of you can... Comprehend? I, I don't think it is. I, I, think, I think it's actually easier to comprehend this and to accept this because you can do this. You can accept, you can put your arms around change and globalization with a sense of hope to basically rationalize Vladimir and what he's just done, you have to basically restrict yourself. You have to cut yourself off from so much in order basically not to notice what the hell is happening, to basically normalize Vladimir. You're running counter to where the planet is invariably going. Argue with me on this all you like. Show me why we can go back to where we were. Show me why the Soviet Union can pop up. Show me why we can go back to 1962 America, pre-65 pre civil rights. T show me why all of that is actually, yeah, you can tell me why you're afraid. You can tell me that you are absolutely in fear of this happening. But, but give me a rationale that shows how this ultimately will be a survivable place, a survivable state going forward. Give me, just explain that to me. I dare you. Now, we're going to have a second Noble Hearts Forum. Uh, it will be recorded this Wednesday coming up. It'll be recorded on March 2nd. I'll have it on air either on the 3rd or the 4th. I've noticed that a lot of you, we're getting a, a whole bunch more downloads of our, especially our Noble Heart Forum shows, and I encourage you to listen. This one should be interesting. We left the last one with the idea, and again, for the most part, except, I guess, Dr. Webble, Charles Webble, presented the what-if scenario. What if he invades and blah, 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 and no one touched it. Well, now we're on the other side of an invasion. And I'm going to be very interested, because I, I, I know our panelists because of who these people are. I know them all. I know them all for over 50 years. 
Basically, I know that it will be ethical, it will be researched, it will be, there will be footnoted statements, and there will be a brisk back and forth, especially now that we are in the reality of this. I will, as much as I, on these panels, I try not to be the, the, uh, the perpetual motion machine that my mouth is when I'm doing my, my commentary shows like this, but I will make sure that the notion of a world order and that this is the direction we're going and I'll make sure that's there and let our panel react to it. At least in my opening statement, I'll get that out there. And then let's see where we go from there. If there's any group who can tackle this from an ethical and moral and, 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 and a rational way, without surrendering to our fear, without being afraid of change, it will be our Noble Hearts Forum panels. And that's why I so look forward to this show coming up that we're going to tape on Wednesday, the 2nd of March, for you to listen to shortly after that. But before then, it's Friday, the 25th of February. And that means David Bach is waiting in the wings to give his commentary. And I can only imagine it will be thorough and <laughs> deeply based on deeply held feelings without a fear of change. David is a, is a rather fearless commentator himself. And I, and I very much look forward to hearing what he has to say today on day two, if you will, of Putin's invasion of the Ukraine. And we'll get to David very shortly. But first, you know, what do we have to do? We have to think about this. And we do that here with a little jazz.
This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to Center Left Radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can. On a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, whatever you can contribute to make center-left radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident and as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Center Left Radio, thank you. You're listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz, and you're listening to us on the web. Well, you're listening to us online. You're listening to us one of two ways, via our radio loop or via our uh, podcast feed. Either way, you can access both of the links that take you to one or the other at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. As mentioned several times already today, it is Friday. It is an amazing day, uh, and it's a perfect day. For me to be able to say, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to say, especially in light of what's going on in the world right now. David, what's on your mind? Uh, Well, there's a lot. Uh, A whole bunch of different, like, really crazy things are happening. And if you want to catch up, you can listen to me at uh, twitch.tv slash freshfacesnewideas. Or you can follow me on uh, um, uh, Twitter at facesideas. Now... There's a there's a whole bunch of different things to, to break down. Obviously, uh, the, the unprovoked war in Ukraine is the number one topic. Um, there is, you know, there's some good news to this. There's bad news. Okay. Um, the the good news is it looks like the Ukrainian army fought harder and did more damage than expected. Uh, that the Russian people are actually protesting way harder than people expected. Yeah. Uh, um, the sanctions as like the first round and hopefully like the least targeted of them did massive damage to the uh, Russian economy. And uh, 
CPAC is dominating the news. So take that for what it is. Yeah, I, th this is interesting because one of the things that I've been listening for very carefully on the news and what I've been watching as well, I have not been picking up much on the way of what what the level of conflict is between the Russian army and the Ukrainian army. You're saying your sources are telling that the Ukrainians have been putting up a fight. Well, there are, yeah, in some places they've held better than they expected. Yeah. Um, although the reporting today is that they think that they might lose the capital today. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's what we're hearing. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've heard. Uh, but look, they, they they did more than they, they were expected to. They were never going to win no. uh, just a straight-up conflict no. with the Russian army. No, no, of um, course not. But that's, I mean, they're, they're holding. And the longer they hold, the worse it is on Putin. And this is going to change how basically Russia functions in, in, in theory, depending on how, you know, bad and sanctioned and pariah they make Russia and how the American, uh, how the, uh, the Russian people respond. Yeah, yeah I, I think I think Putin, uh, my sense is that Putin wants this thing to be done as quickly as possible to make it seem like such a normal thing, this invasion, that it's almost, it, you know, you almost just work it into the calculations about, well, it, this is just normal. It's, it's just another day, another invasion, and everything's back to normal. See, this is the way it should have been in the first place. That's what he's counting on. I can't imagine that it'll actually work out that way, because when you start a war, you can't control where these things go. But somewhere in his mind, I imagine this was part of the calculation. And I'm, I'm afraid that if it doesn't quite go that way, it just gets uglier and uglier, and, and things get nasty nastier and nastier but you, you, you know you, that's why they play the games as it were you got we, we have to wait and well, see I what mean, happens here yeah. he's like look this isn't this isn't like you know we're not talking hypotheticals here there's uh, like legitimately people dying yeah people are uh, dying yeah, this is, yeah yeah this is this is like, like unprecedented what's happened so also the reporting appears to be that like he kind of made this decision by himself that he's he's getting more radical and a little crazier as time goes on. Gee, that sounds like uh, someone that we used to know here in this country. Uh, gee, that, that's well, strange. Yes, yeah. we have yeah. him. We have him as well, who uh, who went on TV, who kicked Glenn Greenwald off of the uh, Laura Ingram show, so that he could pretend that Americans were going to, uh, where Americans were in launching amphibious attacks. Also, somehow this is the the elections fault. Ah, um, ah, and that, ah, ah. So the. Uh, part of there's a couple of things. Um, I do want to talk about the Rick Scott thing in a little, but sure. There's a couple of ways this breaks down. There's there's obviously the people who denounce this. There's the people who say, uh, okay, like it's justified. There's people, and then there's like the people who are uh, saying they're siding with Russia, whether they're siding, and a lot of the the people who are siding. Russia are doing it over like the most extreme ridiculous reasons. So uh, the people who are saying that, hey, this is justified are fall into a couple of categories. There's the uh, the truly like lunatic people who are like, yeah, no, he's actually removing Nazis because of the like yeah, they, they, they're, they're buying that. Yeah. that they're, they're buying that insanity. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. There's also the ones who are and this is this is being pushed by right-wingers, both Steve Bannon, uh, Eric Prince, who God knows why Eric Prince is in fucking prison. Um, 
there's uh there was a the right wing broadcasting like Christian network who were like, Yeah, this is a Christian nation defending their 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 borders because they're they because the LGBTQ. That seems to be the like one of the big talking points. Oh, that's for the right that, 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 that's, that, that's 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 pretty that's wow. <laughs> I hadn't heard it said quite no, that no. clearly. Yeah, okay. Like you should look for the, the Bannon Eric Prince um conversation on on war room it's 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 truly despicable um i think wow every single major daily wire host has now come out and said that this is somehow due to or blame this on uh trans people and pronouns wow um, like the wow. existence of them uh it's this is like apocalypse a, is this is apocalyptic has gotten, gotten like truly truly uh cartoonish like like the Republicans are kind of lucky that this came out because their their push against minorities this week has been like cartoonishly villainous. Yeah. Um, so I guess like we we there's really not much more we can say about this the war other than um, hopefully the next round of sanctions will like actually target Putin or some of the higher level oligarchs and you know maybe we go after go after the energy resources. And why do why that, do you think why would you why in your estimate has have sanctions not been taken against Vladimir Putin directly at this point? Uh because a lot of Russian money is in America and they're worried about a point oh one downturn of the GDP according to Goldman Sachs. That's literally what's happening. That's interesting. It's, it's so it's so it's purely self-serving that we haven't atta- that we haven't attached his assets at this point. Uh that yeah, that's what it appears to me. Um also <laughs> like if I was by the the push that I would do here is two things. One, I would remove student debt so that I could jumpstart my economy again. And two, I would go to the conservatives and say, okay, I'll make you a deal. You vote for the five hundred billion, let's let's kick it up to six hundred billion, seven hundred billion, because you know, the rest of the uh the rest of the uh a build Back Better plan isn't passing, and you're totally happy with three and a half, three point seven million children going back into poverty last month. Um, pass my uh, uh, green energy plan. So we open up drilling temporarily, and as we expand massively into uh, wind, solar, and nuclear power, to make it this because this is the time to show, like, hey, we cannot rely on foreign oil at all, and Thank green you. energy is, is, is the way Thank of the future. You. This is the time push for a green energy package to say, look, things like this are going to happen if you're reliant on these type of, of energy sources. Let's make sure America never has to worry about this and build a future here and be the exporters of green energy instead. That's that's a brilliant that's a brilliant strategy. That's exactly what he that, boy, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense to me. It, I, <laughs> I I mean it's the easiest thing. And then and then when the Republicans say no to it, say look we're trying to make sure that America's is is productive. Because look, we have the ability to drill a natural gas. We don't have the ability to sustain it for as long a period as um, as we would with uh, green energy, which is cheaper and which is uh, more productive, exactly. better for the environment, and creates more jobs. Yep. And also, we can save money on the the the. Uh, the subsidies that we give to the oil companies, we could give it to the green uh, energy companies. Have them convert over, have them move more and more towards green. Uh, yeah. And, and of course, change the subsidies as they, the subsidy uh, structure as it exists right now, which encourages more drilling, more oil production, et cetera, et cetera, and move it in another direction. 
Now, everybody's afraid because there are oil executives out there who are scared to death of making changes like that. They'll give it lip service, and they have been doing that for, for a few years now. But uh, you're right. This is the moment to make it real because change is inevitable. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing is let's talk about some of the domestic policy stuff that's happening here. Yeah. So there's three things that are worth talking about. Uh, the, the Texas with what their trans kids are going Florida in the don't say gay bill, yeah. and then the yeah. Senate Republicans. Yeah. Um, so the the don't say gay bill passed the the Florida House. Um, I haven't looked into this yet, uh, so I don't know about this amendment. But one of the amendments that they made is that teachers and uh, educators have to out the students who are gay within six weeks of finding out. And they have to do this without regard for whether there will be abuse at home. They actually added this amendment, and it has to be done regardless. Now, people are defending this like, well, you know, they have, uh, you know, it's not for the parents to know this. Except there's no reason to remove the second part of that bill, which was that if there is a belief that the, the student might come to harm or this might lead to some type of abuse or something, they don't have to do it. The only reason you add you remove that part, is to advocate for abuse. Exactly. That's literally the only reason to do this. Now, this bill is disgusting in so many different ways. Um, like, the best part, they're, like, cartoonishly evil. Um, and then we got to go to the trans stuff. So there's two things here. One, Marjorie Taylor Greene went on Alex Jones, and among the, things she, the, among the headlines of the things she said was, I don't understand why people think I'm crazy. While on Alex Jones... Um, <laughs> Good place to talk about being normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the second thing was she ad just straight up advocated violence against trans people. Just, just straight up said that like we should be violent against them uh, because, according to her, they're grooming children, which isn't a thing. There's adult men showering with little children, which isn't a thing. Um, you know, it's it's like truly disgusting and vile. Uh, we also have Texas which has decided that uh, regardless of what the medical community thinks, they, they're like all on board with saying, hey, you know, putting uh, puberty blockers, eventually transitioning surgery, things like that are medically necessary for people who are trans and it will help uh, their mental health, it will help their physical health. It's good for them. They have decided to make that elite, uh, essentially illegal in Texas. Um, he, he signed basically an executive order about it. And that uh, they have to report that as child abuse. It's yeah, it's just it's just sicker and sicker and sicker and sicker. It's pandering and pandering and pandering to a smaller and smaller percentage of the overall base. Uh, and and, and uh, I don't know how 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 do you how do you push back against this? Uh, is it being pushed back against? Are you aware of efforts to basically undo this? I don't know what efforts can be done directly to do this, but look. I'm still shocked that there's not blue states that are taking the same measures against uh, Republicans in this in uh, just like the the Roe v. Wade bill. Some I don't know even know what the, the countermeasure to this would be. Like, uh, I I don't know. Maybe beauty pageants go after beauty pageants or something. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, I I don't even know what the law. But there should be some type of law. We're almost a year out, like from the the trans bill, or yeah. not the, the from their their heart their 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 uh, mercenary um, 
abortion bill. And we don't have any left-wing response for the same type of legislation, which is just unbelievably mind-boggling. I, I I wonder. I don't know. I don't. I don't have an answer. So I'm just going to pose a question that I don't have an answer to. Very bad lawyer thing to do. Uh, I don't know what what uh, Joe Biden can do via executive order to protect uh, to protect the right to a legal, safe abortion in this country. I don't know if there's some way to overrule that. Uh, the original Roe v. Wade case gave took it beyond pure state by making it a federal right to have that uh and my thought would be that in the under the under the guise of enforcing a a const a a, a supreme court dictated conclusion uh an executive order would be permissible but i'm not seeing him doing it and i don't know if this is biden's Political choice not to get into it yet and waiting to see what the court will do on the uh, on, on the cases that are coming up now that, that, that will be I guess they'll we'll get a decision on them in a few months at this point. Yeah, sometime in the summer or early fall, uh, the partial uh, ban bills uh, in uh, what state was that where that that was coming up from. But we'll we'll find out. Yeah, the 15 weeks Mississippi. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 there should be. I, 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 I would much prefer to see something at the federal level, if it's, if it's, if it's possible. I, be, I, again, top of my head, legally, it should be possible because you're simply enforcing an existing ruling of the Supreme Court, and so you bypass all this other crap. There's got to be a way to be able to do that via executive order, but I haven't seen that done. And there's that much uh, hesitancy, I gather, about making that move. Or I'm completely wrong, and it can't be done via executive order. Nothing can be done via executive order. I just don't see that, though. But whatever. We are what we are. Yeah, it's not... Um, we don't know. So the other thing is we got to talk about uh, this Rick Scott thing. I don't know if you've seen this yet, this Rick Scott uh, plan. So... One of the critiques, the rightful critiques, is that the Republican Party doesn't actually have a set of issues or uh, a, a set of strategies to um, answer any of the problems that they 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 say that they're whether they're real or right. Not. They 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 can uh -oh. they can point they point to something that they claim is a problem or they point to a difference and there's absolutely no solution and no strategy for achieving a solution, much less implementing solution anywhere within their entire ranks. They are simply a grievance generating machine. That's all they are. Well, that was true until this week when Rick Scott released an 11. Ah, yes. 11 point. Well, it's a larger 11 categories. It's like 200 points strategy for fixing America. And uh, let me tell you, yeah, it is a gold mine of things to talk about. I yeah. want the first four letters, the first four words are the militant left. That's how it starts with the militant left. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I haven't read, is, by the way, I, I, I had promised myself I would read this and I, I just got occupied with real world stuff but I, but this is real world also obviously uh it, it, you've we've got to deal with this stuff and it can't just be laughed off as as the absurd oh, thing no, that it is oh no this could be this could be laughed off uh it starts with basically children are going to love america they're going to say the pledge of allegiance they're going to learn the three hours in in uh, in uh in school they're not going to 
learn any of the left-wing ideologies about uh, history. They're going to learn real, actual history. Uh, um, uh, and, and that's where it starts. Now, yeah. to be fair, there are some things in it that I agree with. Uh, one of the things is 12-term limits in Congress. And oh, which cool. Point, yeah. Which I'm for. I just want to know the only question I have followed up to that is, how does that work if someone goes from Congress to Senate? Like, yeah. does that reset the clock? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's all that, you know. Yeah. And that was never resolved really with term limits. That wasn't resolved with, with whatever term limit. Most, most states with term limit rules already have a, a lot of times avoid that issue. And they do reset the clock in a lot of states. Uh, I, I, that's what I've heard in the past. Right. Like, I'm fine with term limits. Um, one of the things is making uh, student, uh, making college more affordable by making state schools uh, free. Which I think it should, at the very least, we should have state schools for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but some of the other things are it is a uh, a tax increase on 100 million Americans who aren't paying anything in federal income tax. Which, if you remember, one of the things Joe Biden had to specify in Build Back Better over and over again was that nobody under four, making four hundred thousand dollars was going to get a tax increase. Right. I think the people who aren't paying income tax are making a little less than $400,000. I think so. So that yeah. seems like a, uh, and it's not even like, like this isn't even, uh, oh, we're reading this and this is the outcome. It's literally written in the, the piece. It's that pretty, that's, thing. It, that's, that's, it's nuts. Okay, that that's more nutty. So what I'm hearing is that there's some rational statements tucked in with the irrational, and that would be a fun way for the Republicans to try to kind of move this along. But, but the nuttiness, you know, it'll 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 appeal to you know who it's going to appeal to. But on a oh on a, wait wait you're telling me uh, having a border wall and naming it after Donald Trump isn't a isn't a good policy? Oh come on, of course we should name it after Donald. In fact, it should be in gold. And every I mean the only the only thing that I would argue about is. How how regularly, how closely the the name Trump should be, you know, how frequently it should be repeated. I would say no more than one once every hundred yards or so. Just like that series of apartment buildings uh, that, as you went down the West Side Highway in Manhattan, that finally insisted that his name be taken off them. There were seven, no, eight, eight statements. Trump, 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 Trump. Every one of them was a Trump Tower. And during the course of his presidency, uh, the people who live there demanded, and every one of them has had Tr Trump's name removed from the tower. I imagine he could say, if, if he saved all those Trumps, he could slap him on a border wall at some point, I guess. I'm sorry. I, mean, <laughs> I, I indulge well, myself. <laughs> you know? speaking, of, speaking of Trumps, what are your thoughts on the news about the New York lawsuit? About which New about which New York lawsuit are we talking about? <laughs> about the uh, the one that just lost two of their prosecutors. Oh, uh, that's interesting. Uh, I don't know what to make of that. To be perfectly honest with you, uh, they could. These two guys were. I don't know. It, have they made a statement? Prosecutors normally would not. That would suggest the fact that uh, that they left in protest. The implication seems to be. Or some sources are trying to impl imply that these guys left because, well, there was nothing there. And, of course, Donald Trump naturally has put out statements saying the reason they left is because there's nothing there. Case closed. Let's go away. Uh, I, I doubt that that's the case. Prosecutors do leave. But I've heard nothing more than that. Have you? 
So when I read the piece, my understanding was two things. One, it seemed a lot of the stuff here overlapped with the civil case. Yeah. Um, and two, that they're getting stonewalled. Well, I don't think the stonewalling stuff is like a really good answer uh, because your job is to, to find crimes. Like if people just stonewall you, you're allowing crime just to happen. Well, well, who who was who was giving this explanation for their departure? They, the the prosecutors, uh, or people are people are are, 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 are you know sort of uh, extrapolating and and no, and, uh, this is this is this is I think taking the the uh, the DA's argument um, for or the lead prosecutor's argument for what's happening. Like they they like trying to get uh, people to flip, and they're not flipping, and they they can't find sympathetic uh, victims, and they're like they're getting. Uh, they're not getting the cooperation that they're looking for. Okay. Well, that happens sometimes, yeah. Uh, the civil suit, though, when the civil suit is proceeding and will proceed and will wind up basically uh, ripping ripping the financial heart out of much of the Trump uh, uh, empire, and, and that's, that is, that's almost a foregone conclusion. The criminality... Watching what happens in the civil suit and watching that and watching the Trump, the, the Trump empire really take a huge hit may convince a number of people once Donald is sufficiently eviscerated and enough power is pulled out of him, read money, and he's forced to basically sell off or not, not even sell off, to give off uh, a large part of his empire. That may encourage people to flip eventually. The two things are, are deeply intertwined. The civil case out of Albany and the criminal case out of New York, uh, out of New York, uh, out, out, of the, out of New York City, basically. So I, I, I don't know that at this point, just with the two prosecutors leaving, certainly you can't draw Trump's conclusion. I mean, if, if Trump says it, you automatically assume that it's biased and not accurate. Nor is it accurate to say that there's no way this thing is going to go forward because they can't flip anybody right now. I don't know. I still don't know why these guys left exactly. I'd like to get a better handle on it. Yeah, and then the other thing to this is, like, I don't think the civil case really makes a difference. Uh, I, I don't know who, like, like certainly it hurts Trump's pockets, which is, like, cool and whatever. But it doesn't really change that much. Like, the fact that he is now not legally allowed to hold a charity in New York without supervision because they were stealing from all of their charities, including one for children with cancer. That's right. And people don't bring that up like at all. I mean, who cares? They're just going to say, Oh, this is a partisan witch hunt. And then they're just going to give him more money. Uh, and he might have a deal to do a golf tournament or something with the Saudis, uh, which, you know, it's totally a thing he'd be able to do if he hadn't been president and basically just waved off the fact that he killed an American journalist. That That's like a uh, – I don't see any connection between those things. Okay. Do not – all I can say at this point is do not, do not uh, discount the legal liability that Donald Trump may ultimately find himself uh, in possession of. Uh, at this stage in the game, don't forget that there is the uh, the uh, the uh, 
the Georgia, the Atlanta, Atlanta uh, uh, basically the indictment that is pending and will most probably come down for his uh, for his uh, election tampering with the phone call that's so obvious and right there, uh, and and that will not be quashable. Uh, don't discount what how much and how badly he could be hit financially uh, by having most of his empire stripped away. Don't discount how ultimately Republicans may realize that he is so damaged that this is the moment that the, uh, that the governor of Florida and others basically decide, yeah, I'm now going to assert myself to the point where I'll start getting a primary, uh, primary campaigns going against the guy. That's, that's the long-term plan over here. Everybody is just waiting for, for him to make the ultimate misstep and to begin basically a decline that he can't pull out of, and they're all waiting to pounce. It's, it's, I don't see it any other way, David. Maybe you do, but I see Trump basically as a, as a very much endangered species at this point. To, to read him otherwise is just to listen to Donald, and that's not the case. I don't think that's the best way to judge him. I'm, look, I'm all for them having the extended bloody civil war. And I hope it goes all the way from now through twenty, through basically twenty twenty eight. Yeah, yeah. The longer it lasts, the better. Yeah. Um, I I hope, especially like my favorite thing would be if somehow Donald lost. Well, no, that's then- somehow Donald will lose if he runs. He will lose. Right, right. But he runs. He loses in a primary. Oh, oh, I see. Oh, oh, that there's an interesting and then somehow. Yeah, yeah. And and then like the crate, whatever somehow whatever lunatic beats him wins, the damage he would try to do to the Republican Party out of spite, right, would be so much fun to watch. Yeah, if it wouldn't be so terrible for the country. That's thank you for adding that last that last point in. It, it would be it would be a disaster for the country, and the Republican Party knows this. They, he he would basically uh, he would do to the Republicans what he what he did to the whole country generally just worse. That's all because he's convinced, and many people are with him, that he owns the Republican Party. Well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we'll have to see how that plays out. What else do you have, David? Um, look, I oh, uh, I just want to very quickly talk about the, the, the this talking point that the Republicans are pushing. Of uh, this war wouldn't have happened if Trump was in charge. Ah, ah, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. So the evidence points to their arguments point to one of two things. One, Biden is weak, just that, or Burisma, um, which also doesn't make sense. That makes no Uh, sense at all. Two, um, two, and this is my favorite one. You can't tell what Trump would do, so therefore Putin couldn't calculate that. Oh, I see. So your argument is he's in, he's unhinged, and therefore they wouldn't want to deal with an unhinged person. And you think that is a good defensive argument for a person to be in charge of our country. He's too crazy to figure out what's going to happen next. Let's put him in charge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's stupidity. It, it's it's sheer stupidity. But this is what you're going to get, and you basically have to. If you if you're if you're Joe Biden, you've got to just plow forward. You have to you have to be a wartime president. You are a president confronted with the very real possibility, very real possibility, that Article 5 of NATO could essentially be triggered depending on how crazy Vladimir Putin is and depending on how 
unsuccessful or how how not satisfying or or not up to his expectations this thing ultimately winds up being. Uh, we're in the second day of an invasion of an independent country by him. And, and, and all of the talking points are out there. Lavrov is, is making all of his demands and claims and, 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 and rationalizations and everything. But in a war and when you attack a country like this, there's no predicting how this is going to go. And everything says that it's not going to be this simple, perfect, lovely sort of a result that Vladimir would want and have everybody trembling in their boots because of it. And it's going to cost them. I don't care. I don't care how much publicity he's putting out saying we we've got great reserves and we're all set up. It's going to cost him. This is going to evolve. But more than anything else, this is an effort to go backwards in time. Just like Trump and in Trump's control of the Republican Party, the underlying theme of the whole thing is an effort to turn the clock back, to go pre-1965 uh, Voting Rights Act, it, with, with Putin to go back to the Soviet, to go back to pre-1987 and 89, just to, just to turn this thing back. And this is something that people do out of fear because they can't tolerate the notion of the change, which is inevitable. But change is inevitable. We're already in a cycle of change. The planet is changing, and it's changing in ways that are moving us towards a unification of this planet, whether we want to understand it or admit it based on our vision of, of individual events or not. And there's going to be a hell of a lot more to talk about as we go. Boy, there's going to be a lot more to talk about on the whole Russian-Ukrainian situation. David, I trust that you're going to be with us for that and to look at the fallout at home. And there's going to be a hell of a lot more of that. Uh, we've only seen the very, very beginning of it. David, uh, as you wanted, if you're, you're going to be discussing that before the next time you, you talk with us, where will people go to listen to you? Uh, Twitch.tv slash Fresh Faces. Uh, new ideas. Excellent. And I'm and I'm looking forward to hearing from you again next Friday. Uh, David Bach with us every Friday. And as with every Friday, at the conclusion of these segments, we end things with a plea. Today, especially, in light of what's going on in the planet and Russia, and, hey, first our hearts have to go out and we have to really be compassionate and think about what these people are going through. These, these, these are humans being attacked by other humans. This is a sick situation. Please, you know, if you pray, if you meditate, whatever it is you do uh, in your hearts, feel for the people who are being affected by that. And maybe it'll help to, to get into that frame of mind, maybe, with a little jazz.
been listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. Vladimir Putin would like nothing as much as for all of us to say, Vladimir, it's okay, your paranoia, your fear, act them out any way you want against the people of Ukraine. It's not our concern. But to do that is to unleash our own fears. It's to deny hope because it's only by confronting and suppressing our fears that any form of hope is possible.